I don't have a lot of regrets in my professional life, but that is the one company that I know I effed up on because I just wasn't mature enough to understand where I was. I didn't put the time in to learn the job, to become proficient at the job. And then shortly thereafter, I went to UPS and I was back doing tech support, which was just beyond horrible. No degree, no problem. Any problem, we can solve them. LinkedIn insomnia keeps us evolving. We growing in the knowing, the wisdom is flowing. If you didn't know, now you know where I'm going. Welcome to another episode of the No Degree Podcast. I want to personally thank you for tuning in and supporting our show. If you haven't yet, hit that follow or subscribe button. I encourage you, don't keep this to the shelf. Share these inspiring stories with your friends. Invite them to subscribe and connect with us on social media. So today I have Laron Barton. Do you mind giving a brief intro of yourself and what do you do? Hey, thank you, thank you for that, uh, Janai. Uh, my name is Laron Barton. Um, I'm a I'm a technical project manager. Um, I'm also a writer and a speaker. Uh, I've been in IT for over 20 years, and I've pretty much been writing my entire life. So I, I, so I kind of straddle the fence between the administrative as well as the creative. How was high school like for you, and would you want to be in high school? You know, man. So it's like uh, high school. <laughs> we, had, you know, uh, Janai, I, I sort of define it within uh, within two years. Like you know. My ninth and, and tenth grade year, I went to a high school that was kind of an agricultural high school. I mean, I I was a part of a uh, part of the FFA, which is the Future Farmers of America. Yes, I do have the blue corduroy and gold jacket. But um, you know, my eleventh and twelfth grade twelfth grade year, I'm sorry, I got a chance to go to Paseo Academy of Fine Arts. That's where I was able to really start to hone in my writing. And so, you know, uh, the 11th and 12th grade years of high school, you know, um, was pretty awesome. I finally got cool, slight, slightly popular, <laughs> like, you know, and just, you know, gain, uh, gain a friend that I still call a friend to this day, as, as well as a mentor of mine who's like a father to me. So, Hey, are you frustrated with your job search? Are you sending out resume after resume with no callbacks? If so, I have some good news. After three years of helping over 400 people land jobs at places like Meta, HubSpot, Google, Twitter, Amazon, Tesla, Disney, Sony, just to name a few, I created a course. In the Get Your Dream Career course, you'll discover best practices for creating a resume that stands out, and you'll also learn how to optimize your job search. It covers every aspect of the job, including resumes, application strategy, networking, LinkedIn profile optimization, interview guidance, and salary negotiation. You will also get a behind-the-scenes view of how recruiters use LinkedIn to find candidates. And of course, you'll get resume and cover letter templates. Get one step closer to your dream job. Sign up at the link in the notes below. Wow, that's absolutely amazing. So what did you want to become in high school? I wanted to, gosh, I wanted to be a couple of things. Mainly, um, I wanted to be a writer. That's my favorite thing in the world. That's the best thing that I know how to do. And so, you know, I always wanted to write books. I wanted to write plays. Uh, I wanted to write poetry. And, you know, un- unfortunately, well, it's not un- unfortunately, and, and I'm and, and I'm definitely going to get into this, but when you grow up poor and when, you know, your family's like, hey, you know, you need to support yourself. You need to find something that you're not going to be 
sleeping in a tent on the beach with. So I pivoted towards computers because I always had a fascination with technology. You know, I when I was younger, I used to write my own schematics. It was just rather easy for me. What happened after high school? Um, so ap- so after high school, uh, Janiyat, I tried to uh, make money, uh, <laughs> like you know, without without any skills. You know, got into a, a little petty criminality. Found out very very quickly that I was just not built for that. <laughs> so so I'm, so I'm like, what I did was um, I went to a local local Jesuit school, or I'm sorry, I first went to Coleman College in in San Diego. And the way that this school was set up, Janiyat, is like you would study your major stuff first, right? Instead of doing like two years, you know, get, getting like all, all your basic stuff, you study the major stuff first. Then if you wanted to turn around and complete the, de- the degree, you would then, you know, finish all of your general education. So, you know, did that for about a year, came back to Kansas City, went to uh, Park Park College uh, as a local Jesuit school. And I didn't finish. And I, I just kind of went headfirst in, into the workforce. So how was it breaking into the workforce? I mean, this was what year was this was around the dot com bubble area in 2000. So, Janai, I came in at the tail end of everything. Right. I mean, you know, this is where like e-commerce was uh was starting to grow, you know, like the whole like dot-com bubble was getting ready to burst. So I, my first job was a, a was an internet operations analyst where I worked in a knock, which is uh, it's called a network operations center. I did that for about three, four months. And then they, uh, then they laid us off, you know, because the company lost funding. And so that was my very first experience of being laid off. And so, you know, quickly out, I was able to get a job at a um, at a bank where I was able to work in a knock as well. But it was still one of uh, one of those things where it's like I got a first taste of just like how things can just kind of change quickly. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely I feel for people who go, come into this because those are very different Man, job yes. markets. Definitely. And then you wonder, like, is it me? Did I not do well? But it's like you can't control the company's not funding, right? That's not their job to set the direction. So now you're. Early in your career, right, you got the job in the bank. Like, how was it? When you're young, man, you know, you're really exposed to a lot of working styles, of, of a lot of people's work ethics, working habits. I was working graveyard shift. And, and so for me, that's a no-no. But when you're a young guy, you want to get that experience. You, you want to make that money. And so, you know, you, you, know, you want to be able to, to kind of move around. So... The problem with that uh, with that job, Janiyat, is that for one, like working from eleven to seven was just hard, man. I mean, it's, tough. it's very it is it's very very tough because you know I would get off and my mistake was is like as soon as, as soon as I would get home, I would try to go to sleep. And what I had to understand is is that you have to unwind first, right? So you got to give your time to unwind and and to be able to be able to set it on. You just can't just go straight to sleep, right? So so it's like I get like three four hours of sleep, but I mean you know when you're a young guy, you're able to maneuver and to and to operate with you know lack of lack of sleep. But also, um, I knew that I wasn't really interested in databases and SQL, so it wasn't a good fit though. Okay, so what'd you go to next? I started working at Sprint. I know Sprint is one of the largest em- employers there, right? 
And so at the time, Sprint had this project called the Ion Project. And what that was, Janai, was it like these homes would get these humongous modems, right? And the modem would have internet and it would have phone line. So it was kind of ahead of its time. And so, you know, that's when I first started to get a taste of being being a contractor, working through a consulting agency. The work environment was a little, it wasn't the most, um, I guess, like a better term, like, you know, helpful, happy. I mean, just like, uh, you know, because when you're a contractor, the job is not guaranteed. Right. I mean, so, so, you know, you can be eliminated like that. You know, you don't have any benefits. You don't have any any vacation time. You may get a good salary, but there's really no job protections. So, you know, you have people honestly just trying to just like, you know, look out for themselves. It wasn't cutthroat, Janai, but it was still wasn't an environment of unity, though. You know, I could imagine because they're just worried about themselves and keeping their jobs that any time that they spend helping you and not doing their job. It may jeopardize them. Absolutely. It's not even that it's intentional. It's just they they have families. They have other, you know, they have bills to pay. So, no. So you work for a company like Sprint. And then now you obviously had a lot of other jobs. Then you ended up getting something like you moved more into like networking. Right, right. right. So I, from Sprint, I then started working for a telecom company locally. This will kind of set the tone. This wasn't a pivotal company, but it definitely kind of set the tone of where I would go. I worked in tech support. I did tech support for, I think, maybe like three years. And when you work tech support, man, you've really got to have patience. You really got to have the right temperament. I didn't have the right temperament because I just don't have patience for those kind of jobs. So work tech support for, for a little bit. You know, this this was a company that was sort of a competitor to like Comcast or or like Cox Cable. It was a shit show. So just like people were just nasty, just like not the most professional environment. Had a colleague who was married to one of my best friends at the time. And he was just an absolute horrible person to work with. And his boss was just a very nasty gentleman. So there were times where I just went there. I didn't say anything to anybody. And I just and I just worked. And it wasn't until I was able to find a job with this company called Birch Birch Telecom, which is a very pivotal company in my background. Birch Telecom was a a telecommunications firm that had a wing that serviced businesses. And so I was on their network provisioning team, met one of my two greatest managers, a guy by the name of Bill Ball. He's an incredible manager. There's something that... um, that sports writer Colin Cowherd, he he always says, don't chase money, chase management. Because there's a lot of money out there, but there's not a lot of good management out there. So what made Bill great is that Bill had more confidence in me than I had in me at the time. So Bill would task me with things. I didn't think that I could do it, but Bill knew that I could do it. And it built up my confidence. And Janai, to this day, I speak very highly of Bill because because Bill was just such a solid individual. Unfortunately, I was laid off from Birch from Birch Telecom. But man, Birch was awesome. Dude, they they cut us a fat severance. And I was in KC. Three years of coming back to KC from college. I was like, all right, you know what? I gotta get up out of here. 
So that was my window to leave Kansas City. So I packed up my stuff with my little severance and I moved out west. And then you got a job at PlayStation. Let's talk about that. I don't have a lot of regrets in my professional life, but that is the one company that I know I effed up on because I, because I just wasn't mature enough to understand where I was. Had a great interview, great job working at this at this not family. They gave me a PlayStation Two like my first week. Yeah, that was we got free games. Hot. Like I just, I mean, it was like we had a um a um like a storage room with all these snacks and sodas. Like it was crazy. I was just kind of messing off the job, man. I, I I I wasn't coming in when I would come in. I I did not go to a boss's party, which I didn't understand um, company politics, which unfortunately, like, you know, you, you know, you kind of got to play. But I just remember, like, I was like, I would do things and I would take like gaming networks down and they and they'd be like, what are you uh, what are you what are you doing? I didn't put the time in to learn the job, to become proficient at the job. I didn't really make myself be very popular, be be very liked there. What I did was I got a job. I forgot doing doing what exactly, man. But but like, you know, I ended up leaving. And then shortly thereafter, I went to UPS and I was back doing tech support, which was just beyond horrible. And, you know, the thing is about tech support, what a lot of people don't understand is like people are rude. I'm talking about people. Like, you'll ask them, what browser do you use? And they'll be like, what's a browser? Like, I don't know. And then you got to be patient with them and nice. And then they'll get rude for you. Like, why don't you send me step-by-step instructure? Like, shouldn't this be done? Like, and they'll get, they'll take out their frustrations on you. And it sucks because they could say whatever you want, but you get judged if they complain like, oh, you did this, you weren't friendly. Oh my God. You know, and some of these calls get recorded and it's definitely tough. Janiyah, so man, so we were tech support for for UPS store franchisees, right? So, you know, for those who don't know yeah. what that is, you know, let's say Janiyah want, wants to buy a franchise. He buys a franchise. He has problems with his uh, with his network, with his Mettler t- Toledo scale, with his mailbox manager, with his printer. He calls Laron Barton, and I have to uh, and I have to walk him through it. And so, I worked that job for four years, man, and I was one of the worst. I was really good at at interacting with the staff internally, but the customers, I just wasn't very good because again, I didn't have the patience. Like I would get so many complaints. So wasn't until after four years and and I got passed up with passed up with promotions and they had a really funny style way of promoting you where, you know, where you know you had to you have to be in like some sort of pool. For a while, and then your manager would would allow you to go for certain jobs. So I was like, "Look, either they're gonna fire me or I'm gonna quit." So I decided to work for this company called Ventalk. Ventalk was a voiceover IP firm. It was a good move in in two ways. I got some network knowledge. You know, at the time, I got my CCNA, so you know, grooving with that. Um, and I was able to work with voiceover IP. The problem with Ventalk is that their management was some of the worst management. I mean, just like a very hostile racist background. So 
fam, like six months, they laid me off. I was like, thank you. And I had like all types of like personal stuff going going on at that time, Janite. Like I must have got laid off. I think it was a couple of days after Christmas. And then like my girlfriend at, at the time dumped me New Year's, New Year's Day. So I was broke, didn't have a lady. And I really decided to, uh, to, to really change my life. This is arguably one of the most pivotal moments. It's not, it's, it's not arguably, but it is one of the one of the four most important moments, say four or five most important moments in my in my life. I sold a lot of stuff, gave more stuff away, gave away. I'm sorry, uh, gave up my apartment, put my car in storage, and I backpacked throughout Central America for about seven weeks. Um, thank you to the to the California Department of of Employment, uh, giving me uh, those uh, those nice employment checks, <laughs> which, which, you know, funded my, uh, funded my, um, you know, my travels. And, you know, from there, Janita, I, I started taking writing seriously. I finished my first book, uh, started on my second one simultaneously. I came back, got my stuff from, uh, from San Diego and I headed North to, uh, to San Francisco. Now you took this time, you backpack, like, what'd you learn? Because I encourage people to take time to travel and discover themselves because you kind of use that time to look back like, Hey, why was I like this? What can I do better? What am I good at? You know what, man? I got laid off. And when I broke up with my, oh, I'm sorry, when, like, when my girlfriend dumped me, I was feeling really sorry for myself. I was, to quote Tupac Shakur, I was uh, flabby and sick. Just like, you know, laying on the couch, just drinking, just partying, just trying to, trying to figure things out. And I asked myself, I'm like, what makes you happy? And I said, writing and traveling. And, and then I was like, well, why don't you do that? And I was like, yeah. So I decided to just simply just do it. And so what I did was once I was there, when you're on the road that long, you learn to be more adaptable. Not that I wasn't, but that got enhanced because I'm constantly just moving. And so I learned to have confidence in myself. You know, the arguably one of the most important quotes that I ever heard was from my mom. You know, she told me self-doubt has no place in your mind. And so I started to become confident and I, and I realized, you know, I am the man. Let's do what you want to do. And so I always want to live in the Bay Area, uh, Janiyah. Uh, was really scrappy, worked as a, um, for a little bit, Worked as a iPad cash register repair person going from target to target. That was pretty fun. Uh, I then got a job as, um, I forgot the name of the firm. Oh, I'm sorry, Qualcomm. I was sort of a sort of a wireless tester. That was my first time working in an environment where, where it was just almost all H1B visa uh, workers. So that was a really cool culture shock. And, you know, I was making some making some pretty good money there. And then shortly after, I got another very pivotal job working for Sutter Health. I became a uh, junior wireless network engineer. That was a change in my life. From there, man, you know, got my CCNA wireless, worked with this guy who was a wireless architect brilliant person, not the easiest person to work with, not very patient, but he taught me a lot. You know, working in a hospital as a network engineer, uh, 
being able to get that kind of uh, experience was just invaluable. I really endeared myself to a lot of people. And on top of that, I got management experience. I got project management experience. I worked there for worked there for three years, uh, Janiah. And I left Sutter for the first time because things were kind of looking unstable. You know, they didn't know if they would have the funds to uh, to keep me. You know, the dollars for my contract would come at the last minute, and I was like, you know, this is this is kind of shaky. So I then got a chance to be a deployment supervisor for for a bank in San San Francisco. Once again, gaining more management experience, really fine tuning that project management experience, as well as using the uh, using the networking knowledge that I have. So, you know, put it together for a while. The project was fantastic, man. Got a chance to work, uh, you know, like travel, do all those things because of my loyalty to certain people. You know, I'm not the kind of guy that's going to throw someone under the bus you know, looking back on it, you know, my success, I started kind of slacking off a bit, but things, but things never not got done. It's just that I was not as sharp as I was, you know, there was an incident that just caused me to leave. And I, I was accused of like, of, of like falsifying hours. And, you know, for me, that just means that you're accusing me of, of stealing when I wasn't stealing. And, and I, and I was like, well, I can't work here anymore. There's there's no respect. So so I actually called the wireless architect. He got me back onto Sutter and I became a network engineer too. And just, you know, gained a lot of skills, became a really, really good network engineer engineer, got my CWNA. And just, you know, I was, you know, like I was the shit. Dude, like I did a lot of great things there. I worked through the pandemic, like just Sutter was some great times. That's where I I met my second great manager, Sam Warnke, uh, just a brilliant guy, man. Like, you know, once again, empowered a lot of people would sit and talk to you and walk you through things. Never belittled you. Was just a phenomenal dude. Like, you know, he ended up leaving our team. And bro, I'm serious. When he left that team, bro, I almost cried because I was like, damn, like, you know, he was the reason why that I stayed on once Sam left. And, but yeah, you know, and, um, you know, I, I left Sutter because I, because I got a remote job con- consulting it and I, and I ended up moving back to San Diego. So, you know, it's funny how like things kind of like come full circle, you know? Yeah, no, it, it's just interesting how life works out. And, you know, it's really cool how you have all this diverse experience and you're able to look back and realize, hey, you know what? This time it was the environment. But this time it was me. absolutely you know, man. I, listen to me. You yeah. know what? Like, so if so, if you got five bad environments, you kind of got to own some of that. Right? You're like, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, you know, you can't say, yo, man, listen, like, you know, it was all terrible. Listen, UPS was not a good fit for me because I just wasn't good at that job because I lacked the patience. I didn't have the soft skills to be able to do that. Uh you know, PlayStation was just something that I just messed up because I was not mature enough. And then when I gained the maturity, that's when I excelled and I excelled at Birch. But then the company just just let go of like, you know, part of their, uh, yeah, it part, part of, you know, which happens all the time. Right. But being able to 
recognize my faults, own them. And that was one of the things about traveling, man, about disconnecting, about just having that time with time, time with yourself, man, just realizing like, all right, so, you know, there are some things that, you know, we have to change here and it's nothing wrong with saying to yourself, hey, listen, you know what? I could have played that better. I messed that up. What can we do to try to make this better? There's a word for it. It's called accountability. No, that's so important. So you mentioned some certifications. So what are the certifications that are helpful to become a network engineer? Cisco is the biggest um, the biggest vendor as far as networking goes. So this is something that I'm really going to try to drill to your listeners, man. There's one thing to pass a test. Anybody can pass tests, right? Anybody can can memorize answers, but it's another thing to be able to apply that knowledge in the real world. So one of the things that that helped me out is that for one, I got a lab at home, right? So I bought switches, I bought routers, I bought a wireless LAN controller, I bought APs. I was able to sort of work on these things away from the job. So I did that. I invested in simulators. I read I read books, man, because like my first Cisco exam, I just I just memorized the answers. But it wasn't until I got my hands on the the equipment and listen, like simulators are fan are fantastic, but simulators do not replicate the real world. Like you actually grabbing a switch, you are you know con- uh, configuring a VLAN, you are you know configuring DHCP, just that type of real world knowledge helps. Yeah, no, I mean, real world, then you really know it. Absolutely. You've done it. You kind of understand the things that mess up, right? That these are things that you could not have predicted and you add those to your skill set. Now, was it an issue for you not to have a college degree in these jobs? Did it ever stop you from getting a job or opportunity? You know what? Um, Some positions, right? With Qualcomm, for me to be like some type of engineer, I got like, you know, I would have to have a bachelor's degree. But to me, that just didn't just that just didn't make make any sense. Like, you want me to have a bachelor's degree to be able to run iPerf? Like, that's just kind of goofy to me. I think that having a degree is phenomenal. Edu- you know, to quote Malcolm X, education is is the passport in life. But you know, once again, you know, not you know, not everyone is fortunate enough to be able to go to these schools. You know, when I give talks yeah. about, you know, d- diversity in, in tech and when I'm always addressing, well, you know, why aren't there un- enough black folks in tech? And I tell them, listen, like a lot of us, we just didn't have the have the money or the opportunity to go to MIT, Berkeley, Harvard, Stanford. I would have loved to have went to those schools, but it just didn't work out like that. So not having a degree, you have to work harder, man. I mean, you know. You gotta get into those books. You gotta get those certs. The last cert that I got was a was a CWNA, which is Certified Wireless Network Administrator, right? Which is a general vendor wireless uh, wireless certification, which has helped, which has helped me out. You know, now I'm studying for uh, the IAPP. Uh, it, it's a uh, it's a privacy cert certification because what I'm what I'm looking to do, tonight uh, is to pivot towards privacy as well as cryptocurrency. You know, at this point in my life, I'm not looking to be in the weeds as as far as like configuring networks. And I would rather use 
my people skills, doing project management, you know, as as well as trying to ride this wave that is that is cryptocurrency. Yeah, I mean, that's smart. Like I work in blockchain and it's definitely oh. the future and there's a lot of opportunity and there's a lot of opportunity for people who have been in tech because you have a lot of the foundation Absolutely. and you bring a lot of things carry over. You know, so no, definitely excited uh, uh, to see you. Jenna, uh, question for you, man. I, I was actually today, I was actually looking at blockchain certifications. Do you recommend any at all? Honestly, for blockchain, like nobody has certifications. Like I haven't really seen it come up because a lot of times it's so new that there aren't formal processes. And it's just people who follow the news, who build their own projects, who study and they practice things, right? They develop their own apps. So there aren't any certifications that I know of, but I'm pretty sure they're going to come out. But at the end of the day, blockchain is one of those industries that's so... That even the people themselves, they all have non-traditional backgrounds. Right. Like some people were pastry chefs and they Word. said, like, I want to change my life. I'm going to learn how to do X, X, Y, Z because it's like it's so new that they can't like they're not teaching that at Harvard no, at, at all. all these other schools. You just got to learn it. And even like the top people in blockchain, they're just people who are just so passionate about it. Right. They're passionate about the impact that it's going to have. And that's the space. So now I know we only have a few more minutes. So. Let's talk about more of your writing, yes. man. That's something that really opened you up to a totally man, different thing. Yes, bro. Man, how has that led to and what has that led to? You know what, man? So I do believe that Jay-Z once said that we all have a genius level talent, right? And I believe that, you know, God blesses us with with this thing that we're supposed to do. And, and so for me, it's 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 writing. It's, it's talking about the human experience. You know, I write a lot about race from the perspective of of the black man in America. I write about mass incarceration, politics, business, tech, you know, being able to um, write about my experience and having people read it and say, oh, my God, that that made me think, uh, you know, you're you know, you're telling my story. Thank thank you so much for this piece. I mean, for me, that is an amazing thing just to be able to write something that people relate to, man. And, you know, it, it's a, I mean, just, you know, being able to, you know, receive messages. And I think that as an, that as an artist, you want to make, you want to have your work be, be received by as many people as possible. And you also want to be able to, um, to affect change. And for me, that's what I'm able to do. No, and I know you're going to definitely impact a lot of change. So now, if you were to see your 18-year-old self on the street today, what would you tell him? Man, when it comes to tech, I, I would tell him three things. I would tell him you are as good as you as you think you are. Number two, have have patience. And number three, don't be afraid of failure. So if anyone's been listening to this interview... I have a stutter. It's something that I've had since since the age of, of five and six. I'm sorry, five or six. I'm sorry. And because of my stutter, you know, throughout my life, it's kind of prohibited me from from talking, from you know, asking a question, from talking to somebody, from from networking, from just putting myself out there. And you know, it was due to me to me being afraid to to talk, from me being being afraid to stutter. And it wasn't really until I did my first TEDx in 2018, uh, Janiyah, that it just eradicated that fear of saying, listen, like, we can't let this stop us. Like, like my stutter is such a small part of 
of, of who I am. It doesn't define me. And once I realized that, I began to just truly uh, excel. And so from the writing came the, came the speaking and just like all these cool opportunities and, and collaborations. And it's a beautiful thing, man. I mean, so yeah, you know, those are the, those are the three things, you know, believe that you are as great as you think you are. Have patience because things don't happen overnight. You know, even now there are times where, you know, things are slow and I'm like, man, like, like, you know, is something else going to happen for me? And, and then it's like, everything comes in, uh, come, comes in like, you know, snowfalls where, uh, where it's like, you're like inundated with, uh, with, with, with stuff. And, and, and also don't let your stutter hold, hold you back because for me, I, I was so worried about what people thought that I was more concerned about it than what they were. Yeah. I'm so glad that you got over that. And Thank I you, hope man. someone with the stutter hears that and they realize that it doesn't define them. Not at and all. Then good people will see you for who you are and what you stand for, and that you could still get far in life. I want to really thank you for your time. This was such a great episode. Send me the links to your books. I'm going to have them in the show notes. I want to buy them, right? I want to read them. And I, I always like supporting people who are on creative initiatives. So thank you so much for your time. Shania, man, it's, it's, been, a, it's been a pleasure, man. I, I love the trip through through memory lane and just the, uh, just the self, um, I guess the self an- analysis. It's, it's been, you like, I'm sorry, the self reflection is, it's been a wonderful thing man another great episode thank you for listening hopefully this information was valuable and you learned a lot stay tuned for the next episode this show is sponsored by you no degree wants to remain free from influence so that we can talk about the topics without bias if you think the show is worth a dollar or two please check out our patreon page any amount is appreciated and we'll go towards making future episodes even better Follow us on Instagram or Snapchat at No Degree Podcast. On Facebook at facebook.com slash no degree INC. If you want to personally reach out to me, connect or follow me on LinkedIn at Janaid Iqbal, spelled J-O-N-A-E-D, last name I-Q-B-A-L. Until next time, no degree, no problem, nodegree.com.